Welcome in to another edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. My name is Christian Ocero, joined by the esteemed football radio talker, Jay Binkley. We got a lot to talk about today. There's there a lot of steam when I walk in that walk outside, yeah. Chris. That, <laughs> oh, that's, that's the only steam you're talking about. Very, very, very humid out here. <laughs> Today's good. Good. Today's uh, fun. It is, uh, there's been so much that has happened in the world of college football in the last <laughs> two well, weeks. What's happened? I haven't seen anything. Colorado dipped for the uh, for the Big Ten, Big 12. So now Coach Prime is going to be in the Big 12 next year, barring any catastrophic first year in, at Colorado in their last year in the Pac-12. Uh, and then, on top of that, last week, after the Pac-12 did their presentation, George Klievkoff did his uh, presentation for the uh, their potential TV deal that they would have had with Apple Apple Plus or well, Apple TV. Uh, three more, te- actually five more teams dipped from the conference: Oregon and uh, and uh, Washington put up two fingers. They're head up to the Big Ten. And then Utah, Arizona State, and Arizona have also joined Colorado as teams that will go to the Big 12 next season. It's easier just to have many teams are left, Chris. I know, it's four. Washington State, it's Oregon four State, left. Cal, and Stanford. That's it. They're so, in the close shop or something. So we'll, we'll talk about conference realignment. That's the biggest thing. Uh, we're also going to do a, a preview of the quarterbacks in next year's draft class. Uh, obviously, Caleb Williams is at the very top of this class, not just with quarterbacks, but overall. Who else could we look at in that class? We'll talk about that. And then finally, now that we are about at the halfway point for teams training camps in the NFL, we're going to talk about, A, who impressed us in that Hall of Fame game last Thursday that was on uh, on Thursday Night Football, and also who else from this class? Who else that we talked about back in the spring on the podcast is performing well in camp? But first, I, I, I we got to get to the biggest story, which is conference realignment. As I as I noted, six teams now in the last two weeks have dipped have have dipped from the Pac-12 for next season. They have told them we are no longer going to be here. Um, Oregon, Washington, going up to the Big Ten. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, now in the Big 12. Is this good for the sport, Bing? You know, it's good for football. Let's put it that way. I like it uh, with football. But again, I'm not worried about moving the rowing team around. And they're going to have issues. Like Eli Drinkwitz, head coach of Missouri, brought it up. He's like, we can do whatever we want. But we're asking them. You're asking the the other students. So you have to go rowing from Stanford all the way. Uh, to uh, out to the East Guy Stanford's a bad example because they're not in, there's the Pac twelve. Pac- yeah, they're still they're the Pac four Washington, now. Let's take Washington. Washington's outside of football and basketball. You got to take those teams. They fly commercial and fly them across the country. Okay, that part doesn't make sense. But I would like to see that more regionalized. Sure, but that's a mess when you start putting teams in different conferences for different sports. We've seen it happen with Missouri and wrestling uh, because the SEC doesn't have it. We, we we've seen this. Uh, I'm okay with it because I think we're moving towards. What's going to happen in next year and the year after? You're going to see things dissolve. College football playoffs already run, not by the NCAA. They're run by the College Football Playoff Committee. Um, I think we will get to a point to where there's more equitable split because right now the Big Ten will have 18 teams. 
and the 16 for the SEC and the Big 12 at this point. <laughs> Keep in mind, I say at this point. Yeah, because it could change next year. Florida State might try to find a way to get other granite rights and stuff like that. And yeah. They've already looked into some. They might try to make a jump with Clemson to the SEC. They've already looked at ways yeah. to maybe do it. And uh, I know the Big 10 would be interested in them too. But the bottom line is, what do you do with playoffs then? Because then you got to figure out a way so you're not getting as many reps from your conference. Are we going to see essentially the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC, and Big 10 combined in one big group, regionalized? We don't know where it's going. Because there will be, I think, an eventually in the commissioner for college athletics, um, and especially football, because this thing's all over the place. These guys don't know what they're doing. I mean, they're transferring. College football needs a roadmap at this point because you have so many quarterbacks yeah. that are different places now, or not just quarterbacks, just players hopping in the portal and gone on the next thing. Now we got teams basically hopping in the portal and moving to another conference. Coaches do it all the time anyway. And I've got no problem with the athletes getting the getting the money and whatever. That's all. That's all secondary and it's on the side. But I'm I'm okay with this for football because I think it's created some really really. Fun college football, Chris. As a purist, you think, I mean, Oregon and Ohio State was fun when they mixed it up anyway. And now they're going to be in the same conference. Now, you're not going to play all those teams every single year. But think about the Big 12. You get the Arizona-Arizona State rivalry back. You've got Utah and BYU rivalry that's always been a rivalry going at it strong. So they've been able to keep some rivalries uh, together. So from a football perspective, I think that uh, – it's good. And I wish the Big 12 would have gotten Oregon and Washington. I like Utah. They're a good football program. Um, I would have liked to see Oregon and Washington in the Big 12. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Arizona and Arizona State don't give you much in regards to football. But, hey, we'll see what they can do now that they're in the Big 12. But they have not been powers. So, obviously, there's going to be some good matchups that come out of this. Oh, I think it's going to be great matchups. Oregon against a lot, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. That'll be fun. It's a tough conference. But I, I'm i kind of a purist when it comes to the whole conference alignment. I hate the fact that Mizzou left to go to the SEC. I don't think they're an SEC school. I think they're a Big 12 school masquerading as such. But, I, but I'm good with them because, I mean, they're in the club, man. They're I don't think the they're SEC. in the club, though. They are in the club. I don't think they're in the club like they're that, They're in the club. Though. They're I chilling with the cigar in I the club. I mean, they, they're getting club money, but I don't think that, like, I, I as a Florida fan do not view them at the same level. Like, them, Arkansas, even though Arkansas has been in for a while, uh, or, or Texas A&M, I don't view them the same that I view Florida, Alabama, um, LSU, schools like Georgia, schools like that. I don't view them like that. You view like, them like South Carolina or Kentucky or Vanderbilt. I don't even, because I still think like Vandy and South Carolina are still, those are SEC schools. Pinkle had them in the SEC title game for two straight years. Yeah, and that was, and that but was, they didn't parlay that in but now, And that was great. That was when Florida and Georgia were down. And, yeah. and so like the, 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 the division was for the taking there in the SEC East. But like, I don't think that they fit in culture wise. And that's my thing. To me, what was great about like Mizzou being in the Big 12 was the culture, the rivalry that they had with KU, with K-State, and all the other schools around it. Very first college football game I ever watched, Mizzou-Iowa State 1996. That's the first game I ever watched. That's when I finally figured out that there was football on Saturdays because I had been watching the NFL for three years at that point, and I was like, "Oh man, it's great. We got we got foot. You know, it's great. We got football on Saturdays now. This is great, and all these states have schools. That's awesome. I like the regional aspect of college football. I like those rivalries. You remember when Mizzou left the the Big Twelve, and that they're one of the greatest rivalries in in college sports, KU and Mizzou. 
was basically on hold for years because yeah, it, of that. It was, but the, you look at the new look Big 12, and Arizona State even put it out there said so their, their travel's not much worse because you got Arizona still, Utah, Colorado, they got all these schools, so they're not really Yeah, trailing. but they got to move time zones. To though. West Virginia, they would go from the mountain to the central a lot, but also yeah. then there's West Virginia that's kind of the outlier of the situation. It's just, I, I'm just baffled <laughs> as to how bad the Pac 12 did things. When Larry Scott took over as commissioner, so they go outside of football and bring in a guy that was a, um, a tennis commissioner, Larry Scott. And he came in and he created six networks, seven with the national, the national Pac-12, and they had six regionals like Arizona, Arizona State were in their own, UCLA, USC were in there. It was a hell of a package. And the way it's uh, dissolved, uh, it's funny too. This, this quote here by uh, the Arizona president uh, Bobby Robbins on selling Apple package, like Messi ain't helping here, Chris. We were trying to think. Well, it's going to be like selling candy bars for Little League, Apple. And I get it, man. It's it's a, it's a big corporation, the partner behind. Messi, they're doing it. They're trying that with the Inter Miami, you know, giving him a, a fee for it. But Verizon listeners and everybody else are, are with the cell phones, they get it free. So how many new subscriptions are you going to get? And plus, I think people are tired of, you know, hopping on. Like Pac-12 people might buy this to watch their games. But I'll tell you this, there's nobody in the Midwest or in the South that's going to buy Apple just to watch your Pac-12 I, I games. I ain't buying it to watch Pac-12 football, and no. <laughs> they're not doing it, and they realize that. But the Pac-12, remember they were going to poach everybody? I remember when I first interviewed. They were going to poach Big 12 teams. One of my first interviews in radio was having Bob Stoops on back when he was at Oklahoma. He's like, yeah, well, I look forward to New Horizons maybe, talking about the West Coast. Like, whoa, there's a yeah. quote right there. And because they were going to take Texas, and they were going to take Oklahoma to the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And the Pac-12 gladly would have done it. Pac-12 was talking about their stability all last year. They they were in poach mode, but then when UCLA and USC got snagged from the middle of the night, oh, things started. Arizona, and Arizona State have always wanted out. They've always wanted out of the Pac-12, and the Big 12 was being forward things. All right, we'll put them in our conference because we yes we lost Texas and Oklahoma, but the Big 12 they've created a lot of anybody's ball game. Like Kansas State now. You look at them there, one of the powers of the Big 12. You, this year, you're gonna, well, you have Texas and Oklahoma this year. But after that, anybody's ball game, man. TCU, every once in a while, is going to rise up and have a good year. K-State's always going to have a good year. Somebody else, Iowa State, will rise up and have a good year every once in a while. I mean, it just the Big 12 is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I, I just I think the regional aspect, especially, you know, we live here in Kansas City. Kansas City is this confluence of all these fans from all these different schools who root for, I mean, we got people from Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, everywhere. And we're starting to lose some of that now. You know, we're losing the Sooners fans. They're not going to be able to be a part of this college culture here now because they're going to be SC, pretend SEC fans. Uh, you know, same thing with 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 Mizzou being like that. They we don't get to engage in that as much as we used to. Like Kansas and Missouri aren't going to play football again until 2025, yeah. and that'll be the first time that they played in in 14 years at that point. Well, at least we're getting 12 playoff teams after next season. Maybe I think they're eventually going to go to 16. Yeah, I think so too. I just I hate the fact that. It comes at the like all of this expansion, all these changes around. These good matchups we'll get comes at the cost of the local rivalries yeah. that we get in this sport that I think make college football so much. And fun. the Rose Bowl is no more because what they're going to do is 
after this year or whatever, it's it's going to be in the college football playoff as, yeah, as, a, right. as a semifinal, but then it's going to be a quarterfinal beyond that, that it's always going to be in the rotation. Like it's always going to be, so it's still going to be there, but as a regional rotational game. Right. Yeah. So it, sometimes it'll be, so it'll use, it'll be important, but it won't be as, it won't be the same. But as it'll it be in the before. rotation for the college football playoffs still. Now, and I ask for the athletes. How does this affect their ability to go out there and perform as student athletes? Because remember, they have to study too. They have mm-hmm. to get good grades too. How does that affect what they do at the student athlete level? I think uh, I think it gives them more national exposure. When you when you take take well, Caleb Williams is not going to benefit from this because he's on the West Coast still with the Pac-12 now. But take a player like that. All of a sudden, you're playing the big dogs in the Midwest, and you. you what you have is these West Coast schools or the mountain time zone. They're being showcased out there, plus in the central time zone. So they're not getting lost in the shuffle. I think it's good for them. Like, I think it's good for a lot of the Pac-12 you know, guys you're not normally seeing, but now you will see them as part of the Big Ten or the Big 12, uh, some of these guys that play out on the West Coast. So I think it's good for them um, in particular to showcase their talents uh, on a national scale. I think it's going to be tough for the Arizona teams because they're not mountain time zone. They're, Arizona schools are. Arizona's no, they're not. They're no, mountain. Arizona's not. Arizona doesn't follow daylight savings time. They don't follow daylight savings time, but they are mountain. No, they're not. So they're one hour. They're, they're, no, they're when, during fo- most of football season. They're two hours behind. Two hours behind. So they're technically, even though they're not Pacific, they're technically Pacific. They don't follow because like during daylight savings time, the country moves forward. They but stay because, the same, but because they don't move, they're actually. In in mountain time, if you Google, them, I think Pacific it actually puts zone. them in mountain. It will it will technically put them in the oh, mountain they time zone between both. But they they actually are Pacific during uh, yeah because I I'm a Phoenix Suns fan so um, they're, they're Pacific they're Pacific mountain. right now. But as soon as we we end daylight savings time in early November, they're they're mountain. So like they're technically for most of the season going to be in Pacific spring time training. Zone. You get the this the. Uh, the games are one hour behind, then right. all of a sudden they switch to two exactly. hours behind because exactly. they don't move. Because when the when the sun season starts, the games are two hours. They're yeah. usually like a nine something, and then they move ahead an hour when the uh, when daylight savings time ends. So like those guys are good. Those athletes in all those sports, they're going to be at a disadvantage, you know, if and when they have to go play teams like the uh, uh, like a West Virginia or UCF or you know anybody like that, Cincinnati who are Eastern. So. That's going to be a big problem, I think. But, the, I think but true mountains, but true mountain time zone schools in Utah, BYU, yeah, Colorado. You do have three traditional right. mountain Correct. teams there. Yeah, yeah. and and but as of right now, it might as well be Pacific time. Yeah, but like a, like you Arizona Arizona State because they're not great, they're probably going to be playing a lot of late games. I, I don't know, and I feel like I feel bad for them if they got to go ahead, they got to play earlier and. The times are kind of thrown off, or what happens if it's a team who's central or eastern, and they got to play what would essentially be nine or ten o'clock, whatever from whatever. We time's fall on back there. in what end of October? Early, it's early. It's like the first weekend. They're just November. one hour behind instead of two, right? So like things. So half their season's two hours behind, and yeah, that's what I'm saying. One hour so like it's it, it's it's going to be trippy for they're, them. They're both guys. man. They're both mountain and Pacific. It's I just think that the regional aspect is really really good for these, and it I I think it's going to create some issues for the athletes. Moving on, we've been previewed last week. We previewed uh, well last time we did the episode two weeks ago. We previewed our uh, white the wide receivers for the 2024 class of the uh, NFL draft. 
This which we liked, which we liked, very very strong wide receiver class. Uh, this past year, not super top heavy. I think once you get to the middle, it's pretty good, but at the very top, it's not. There's not like anybody you look at and it's like surefire elite. Now for the quarterbacks, though, quarterbacks pretty decent at the top. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. This year, though, you've got the incredibly hyped up Caleb Williams at the very top of this quarterback class, at the very top of this draft class in general. I mean, you're hearing some comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, which we talked about last time we were on. Don't think it's very fair, but, you know, it is what it is. He's he's getting those comparisons. But we've been watching the draft for a long time. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks who were hyped up really heavily early on in their college careers. And they had some years of eligibility left, so... They had a lot to lose after you start hearing them being talked about as being the top quarterback in their first draft eligible draft class. Caleb Williams now is going to have so much pressure on him, not only because there's going to be Heisman expectations, but also now people are going to expect him to go out there and continue to be great. And he has nothing to gain right now, but he has everything to lose. How much, like how how tough do you think it's going to be for Caleb Williams to go out there and live up to the hype this year with all that he has to lose? I don't think he's ever going to live up to the hype, but he might. I mean, he might stand up and be able to do it, but he's, he's the type of quarterback that I, I, he's got that makeup about him where he's not going to struggle. I, I just don't see it from Caleb Williams. He's never shown that indication of doing it. Um, he may slip down. I remember Josh Allen didn't have a good year as last year at Wyoming, as yeah. good as he did the year before. Uh, but Caleb Williams can. And this this quarterback class, Chris, I mean, most mocks you look at, there's nine and ten quarterbacks being drafted the first round, at yeah, least at this point. Ridiculous number. At yeah. this point. It's a ridiculous you know what? That's good for the Chiefs. The more quarterbacks you throw in the equation, it means there's more guys that are gonna be left there at the end. So you want nine or ten quarterbacks. You want the Caleb Williams and Drake Mays and Michael Penix Jr. and Bonex and Quinn Ewers and uh Joe Milton at Tennessee and um Hell, Shakur Sanders, Dion's kid at Colorado, and uh, KG Jefferson at Arkansas. Spencer Rattler, even at South Carolina. Who's been do, considered like a first-round pick the last two years he's before. He's been considered like the number one overall. Yeah. He was number two. Yeah, until, two years ago, yeah, he, he, was, he was the top quarterback. But yeah. even he, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback out of Michigan, he could go um, early too, maybe the second round. A lot of these guys are going to fall to the second round. You know that's how it's going to end up working out. Um, there's only going to be maybe five or six of them that end up in the first round. But – when you start seeing the buzz on maybe 10 of them in the first round, I like that because that means there's other quality players that are going to be there. So if you're picking 32, you're all of a sudden picking uh, 22 if there was 10 quarterbacks taken. Yeah, I, I don't think I, – I think a lot of those numbers that we're getting as far as like 10 quarterbacks taken in the first round, I think a lot of that just has to do with uh, a lot of people not knowing who's good in this class because usually – we have a large list of underclassmen who are not draft eligible, but you can you can see they look the part. You know, maybe they showed some flashes when they were as a, when they were playing as a backup, or maybe they came in in the middle of the season because of an injury and they showed some flashes. And now the the upperclassman that's ahead of them has graduated or gotten drafted. And now they're going to get their opportunity, and so you're going to hear people go out here and 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 put these names out there. You know, we saw it last year with with some of these quarterbacks like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. 
from their freshman years were being talked about as being star quarterbacks that are probably going to go at the top of the draft. So generally you have enough guys that you hear about that you're very sure that when they are draft eligible, they're going to be going to be drafted in the first round. And so there's generally a a good mix of guys that are, are being put out there at different positions this year, though. I think there's so many question marks about so many positions, especially because a lot of these guys came in during the COVID years and that meant they had to sit a little bit longer because those players who were playing during the COVID years were uh, playing a lot longer because there was an extra year of eligibility that they were given. And I I really do think that that probably affected mock drafts for at least the next couple years because a lot of these guys don't quite have the same level of, of experience. I think for Caleb, the thing I worry about a injury, that's going to be the one thing like that's number one thing right there is injury. Like, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's uh, draft stock fell because of the injury concerns, because he didn't play a whole, he had the hamstring issues the entire year. So that's part of it. Uh, I also think the other part about it is there was another USC quarterback years ago that was named Matt Barkley, who was kind, he wasn't quite in the same position. He wasn't being compared to like Tom Brady or anything at the time or Aaron Rodgers. But he was still very highly touted as a player the year before he was, the, the first year that he was draft eligible. He decided to stay for a year and complete his degree and all of that. And then in 2013, he comes out to the draft and he ends up being picked at the top of the fourth round because his draft stock fell. And what was, by the way, one of the worst in a, one of the worst quarterback draft classes ever. That was the one where EJ Manuel went uh, as the top quarterback at 15th overall to Buffalo. I kind of worry that Caleb could fall into that situation where he doesn't quite live up to the hype and you have teams kind of talking themselves out of not taking him simply because they have more tape on him. And Marvin Harrison Jr. gets picked first. Yeah, exactly. That, that could be a or or maybe one of these tackles or maybe one of these edge rushers because it's a good tackle class, good edge, you know, not quite as good, but a pretty decent edge rusher class at the very top. And yeah, I mean, or you know, like you said, Marvin Harrison Jr. could be number one overall in this draft class. All these teams looking for quarterbacks because there's a bunch. This is the this is the draft class to do it. I, I looked at one mock day. We got like eight guys to the nineteen within the nineteen picks. Yeah, because they have Sanders and Randall are going right. And they didn't have JG McCarthy going in that first round, but there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks taken. And right now, it's Caleb Williams. He's one one at this point. And I guess it all depends on who's going to be picking the one. Right. And if it's the Cardinals, what? They're done with Kyler. They're going to move on because probably moving on would be the best thing for them. But, and we see more and more teams, you know, hey, we don't need to draft this or we do need to draft it because they don't keep them much any longer. These, you're gone. Yeah. Like the, remember Rosen? When Rosen he was got one year in Arizona. Move. He got one year. And they, they move you. That's what the NFL does now. If you're not good enough, they'll, they'll move on. Yeah. Like the Jets, they're looking at the Zach Wilson problem. What do we do? What do they do with, with Zach Wilson when Aaron Rodgers? Two you years. Know, is two years. He got two years. Is he gonna, <laughs> Let's go get Aaron. Is he going to be developed in that time? Well, there's going to be plenty of quarterbacks to go out there and take. So if there's eight to ten, hoping there's higher up to ten, but could be eight. Clearly it's Caleb Williams. It's Drake May. That's your top who, two who quarterbacks. Else? Who else? Who else? Besides Caleb Williams and Drake May, like I, I agree with you. Those two guys are, are I think, un- unless Drake May has a disastrous year. Some people say KJ Jefferson sure. at Arkansas. I don't. I don't. I'm not buying that one as much. Quinn Ewers at Texas is getting a lot of run. I've for seen top a 10. lot of Quinn. I've seen a lot of Quinn. A lot of Quinn. 
Uh, um, Michael Penix Jr. Penix is looking maybe top 10. Yeah. The former Indiana quarterback that played at Washington last year and will play again there this year. Uh, Shakur Sanders is starting to get some run. Shadur Sanders. Or Shadur Sanders, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. He's, he's definitely – he's gotten some run I've seen. I've seen uh, Riley Leonard from Duke as an option. I, I doubt that. J.J. McCarthy, obviously, you you brought him up. I I really doubt that. I I, kind I don't of feel think like he's, he's a first rounder. I think he's probably like a maybe late like a third round guy. Um, Rattler, I don't. I think he's going to be a third day guy. Rattler was a guy again two years ago, top quarterback rated in the draft class, and then he fell off after having a pretty bad year at Oklahoma, and then he transferred, went to South Carolina, wasn't great last year, and now he's. Did, is he still at South Carolina, or did he transfer? He's in South Carolina still. He's still okay. I was looking at Pro, Fo- Pro Football Network did one. They had Caleb Williams going four. Yeah. And they had Marvin Harrison going one. And I, and I don't see that unless Caleb has a bad year. If Caleb looks as good as he's ha- he he has last year, I think he's going to go number one overall. They had Drake May going six. I don't see that going. I think both of them are top four picks. I think it depends on on who needs a quarterback. If there's like teams who, who've got, like let's say like, the Panthers and the Texans are sitting there in the top four. I don't think they're going to take Caleb. I think they're going to try to trade out of it. Like, I, unless they just don't see anything from their quarterbacks. I think those two teams for sure would try to trade out of it. And Shadour's probably looking about 15 to 20. Sanders. Yeah. I kind of doubt that he gets drafted first round, too. I think he might be a second round guy. He's gonna, well, it could be, but he's going to be throwing the ball a ton. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, the thing, though, is like... Colorado is miss is is not like that. That's going to let Stewart throw it all the time. That's what I'm saying. It was a one win team last year. They they have completely overhauled that roster, but it's a bunch of transfers, and you don't know if those transfer guys are going to fit in with what you want in one off season. Especially because a lot of those transfers came in in the middle of the off season because they did let some guys go after their uh, after their spring game. So now you got you're moving guys in and out. Like they haven't even had a real complete full off season yet. Bo Nix is interesting to me. He's yeah. been playing college football forever. He has. Both at Auburn and now, and now at Oregon. Oregon. Um, he's a guy that probably will find his way up into the uh, first round at that point. Then the fringe ones, uh, like Jordan Travis at Florida State, I see him as a second rounder. Riley Leonard is interesting because I could see him going, depends on what happens at the combine, what happens this season. I could right. see him going a second round as well. Yeah, I mean, I a lot of people really high in this quarterback class, but usually there's some correction that happens here. Usually some of these guys start to fall off. I mean, I mean, one of the, uh, what was his name? Um, Will Levis, Kentucky. A lot of people thought he was going to be top five, top five in the draft. And he ended up falling to the second round. I keep seeing Brock Bowers anywhere from 14th. He's the best tight in the country. Yeah. Yeah. 14th to eighth. Yeah. So I've seen Brock Bowers, which is interesting because beforehand you're looking at Brock Bowers as a top five pick. Bowers might be a top five. Pick. Well, we'll see. What I happens. think he might be. If he, if he has a big year this year, I've been mocked someone, many times in the top five. I get. I mean, it, it's August, so I can I can see him moving up boards. I can see him being up there with like maybe right behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Can't wait to these guys play, man. Yeah, because we already seen Darnell Washington, who was behind Bowers last right. year, start to get some first team reps with the Steelers. Exactly. Yeah, we're already starting to see some of these guys, and 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 where you just went, I I kind of want to go with this as well. Right now. We we're starting to see some fruits bear of this of this current rookie class here. Uh, last week, last Thursday, we saw the Hall of Fame game between the Browns and the Jets. Played just an hour away from Cleveland in Canton, Ohio. 
And we saw some of our guys, guys that we talked about on this podcast back in the spring. In that game, guys like Dewan Jones, right tackle for the Browns. Played almost the whole game. Played almost the entire game. Big dude. Not beating was, was not beaten either. Yeah, I mean, he there was sometimes there was a little it was, it was I, thought he, I thought he did well. There was Israel Abanaconda running back for the Jets. Yep. There was Cedric Tillman, wide receiver for the Browns. Uh, Zach Kuntz, tight end for the Jets. A lot of people think people are sleeping on Tillman, which again, he was a first rounder up until yeah. this year. So in that game. Because Jalen Hyatt kind of took his run. Right, Jalen Hyatt did. He did steal some and of his he, thunder. He, he's last shining. Year. But in that in that game, uh, Abanaconda and, and DTR, Dorian Thomas Robinson, also played in that game as well as third string quarterback there. Looked pretty good. Uh, eight for 11, 82 yards and a touchdown. Again, he's playing third strings. Not even second strings, third strings. So. Let's uh and with, and with rosters of got like thirty guys exactly thirty to thirty six guys for each team not playing in this game exactly and on top of that also vanilla offense vanilla defense you're not playing the same defenses you're going to play in the regular season offense the same thing I mean like the Browns open and they ran two straight uh, screen passes to either side of the uh, of the offensive line you'll see a lot of screens because of screens it, it, yeah get your quarterback not hit and then get rid of the football and right. then of course the lights went out with electricity and the showers didn't work after the yes, game there's yeah. always something about that damn game oh because it's, it's it's an I old enjoy stadium it. I, enjoy I enjoy it, it but it's, but it's not a great game yeah they didn't play it a couple years ago because the turf and the tape with the paint was sticking to people's feet it was bad yeah, yeah. it was bad uh, Abani Kondo nine carries 27 yards and a touchdown he looked that touchdown run he had was yeah. really good um, DTR had six carries for 36 yards in that game. So, uh, a lot he, of people like him. A lot of people. Again, who are you playing against? Again, yeah, exactly. And then uh, Cedric Tillman, two catches for 35 yards. Zach Kuntz had option for six yards. So, and, and so, looking at that game, which of those players, we've talked about all these guys on the podcast, which of those guys to you look the best? I think, I think because he played so much, Dewan. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of high on Cedric Tillman. You and I both like Koontz coming out of the draft. We did. But DeWan wasn't a guy we looked high on. We had him kind of at the bottom of some of the first-round type linemen we looked at. He did start to slide. We understood why. Uh, he actually, I thought, pretty pretty good. But again, going against not great talent. Not great talent, so we'll see, you know. It's something that is... To behold, I mean, he's—I think he's got like almost thirty-six-inch arms. He's he, what is he like? Was like six-seven? Former. He's massive, and you could see that he definitely had an advantage on his opponents uh, as far as the size issue is 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 concerned. My issue with him—he didn't look athletic. Great feet in there. There were times where he was out of position. Hopefully, for his sake, he develops that positioning better. Because there were a couple times there, if he were going against a edge rusher, I would very much question his ability to uh, his his ability to be able to defend uh, to be able to block some of these edge rushers there. So I think they definitely want to give him some more experience. You, he definitely needs it. Um, he's got the tools. He's just got to he's got to do better as far as the technique goes. The guy though I really like though was a Boniconda. Like I again, well, Will McDonald. A, 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 you said who? Will McDonald from Iowa State. Yeah. The edge rusher. He was yeah. he was impressive to me. You could see that you could see the physical attributes with Will. I think the problem though is technical wise, and and, and good bringing him up. I, I completely forgot he played in that game. Technically he, he showed some 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 technically you you don't see it, but you see the you see the athleticism. Still got oh, yeah. still gotta add some weight. 
still got to put on some muscle there. But it's like, a guy that Chiefs fans really liked. Yeah, I mean, I never we. I think both of us knew that he's the age, the age, and the size, and it was never going to work. I mean, they drafted a guy similar size to him and B.J. Thompson in what the fourth round. Yeah, and that was like that was the riskiest they went in in that situation. Actually, no, what is it? No, it was the fifth round. Like that's the riskiest they went in that in that draft. So. I, I definitely don't think that he is going to uh, – he was ever going to be their, their type of guy. He's, he's got to develop the technique. Like, you can see the skill. I mean, you, you can see the talent, but the and skill – he was picked 15th. Yeah, I know. He was, he was probably <laughs> overdrafted there. So, Zach Koontz, though, was not impressed. No. Was not impressed. It, it, no, and this is a game from the shine. I know. This, he, played, he played most of the game. Yeah. He had plenty of opportunity. Man, I didn't see any burst route running routes. I didn't see any Christmas. There was nothing. He just looked like a, a guy. And across there. the NFL, we're starting to see Luke Musgrave, and we're seeing Dalton Kincaid. Yes. And Darnell Washington, these tight ends. This was going to be the tight end class. We're starting to see them shine a little bit. Yeah, and their Coons, respective teams. kind of get left in the dust. He did that game. Now, about those tight ends, guys like, uh, you know, you brought up Kincaid. You brought up uh, you brought up uh, Musgrave, who looks like he's probably going to be the starting tight end in uh, in Green Bay. They're actually lining him up wide. They like his speed. They, they like his speed, which wasn't really something you heard. A, I mean, you heard some about the, that, but you heard like yeah. more route running and everything. But like now, he's lining up in the slot a lot. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. And to Kincaid's see. an ex Kelsey. You're here in the <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear that for sure. Uh, who from this class do you think has really impressed you the most thus far? Halfway, we're at the halfway point of training camp for most teams. Who do you think has impressed you the most? As far as well, a lot of times, we haven't got to see them play yet. Right. I guess when you see highlights of what Musgrave is doing in Green Bay, and you hear the reports, or Donald Washington's going. Um, I haven't got to see Anthony Richardson. I mean, he's 6'4, 255 pounds, getting a lot of the reps with Indianapolis. Right. I guess. Because of the fact that he's a first-round quarterback. Like Will Anderson, we haven't seen yet. C.J. Stroud, we haven't seen yet. Bryce Young, we haven't seen yet. Um, so want to see what these guys can do. Or B. John Robinson, we're talking about first-round picks. Darnell Wright, uh, the lineman out of um, out of Tennessee that went to Chicago, Chicago this year. I want to see him. But what we've seen so far, what we've heard from, let's say, X clips, has been uh, Musgrave or Kincaid. Yeah, I I think that there is a lot of interesting things coming out. One and, and guy, Jackson Smith too, because he's destroying things. Yeah, he's nickel. yeah he's yeah he's killing things in the slot there for uh for the uh, for the Seahawks. All slots, all he does. Oh yeah, that's all he does. One guy that's I think I mean I I didn't think he was going to take this early, but one guy you're kind of hearing a lot of good things about is Jalen Hyatt, our guy, receiver out of Tennessee, guy Quick, that we wanted, fast, makes uh, contested catches, does everything that we thought he would do. And one of the things you're hearing is that he's a much better route runner than he got credit for during the draft process. And you you see the highlights of him We're in talking in to Blitnikoff too. I know, yeah, exactly. It's not like he and, sucked. And you're hearing that, like, oh, he's a way better route runner than he got credit for. And one of the things you're hearing is that um, uh, he is really kind of taken to the offense a lot quicker than anyone expected. <laughs> you see clips of him in Giants camp and – He's out here beating corners on out routes and corners and all of that and making these tough sideline catches, getting the two toes in right before you, you touch the white line. Pick 73. I mean, this is a third-round guy, and this is a guy that we liked in the first round yeah. for the Chiefs. 
and uh, obviously it didn't happen. They took it. The Chiefs took FAU. I'm really impressed by Jalen Hyatt. Another guy I'm really impressed by, though, that I think could probably exceed expectations, even though I, I've been advocating us to not have expectations for him, is Rasheed Rice. I, I Rasheed Rice has taken to this offense better than I think anybody should have ever reasonably expected him to. I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a star in, in in for the Chiefs this year. I'm not even going to say he's going to be much more of a contributor than what Sky Moore was, which is 250 receiving yards last year. But you can tell that there's a level of comfort that Mahomes has with Rasheed Rice that he does not have with receivers with his lack of experience that much. Yeah, I'm with you. It's something the Chiefs really don't have either. Yeah. I think it brings them back to Sammy Watkins a little bit. I think they can see kind of a little bit of him with that he's got that physicality about him. Now, now MVS, as I've always said, he can have that physicality. He's 6'4". Or a I, think, I think Justin Ross, too, kind of has some of that in him as well. But Sky Moore is really developed. I mean, Sky Moore is, for all intents and purposes, this guy's got it down. I mean, he's, yeah. he does, he's running great routes. He's right. strong. He's always had great hands. Tough catches. But as far as their rookie season, I'd put Rashi Rice ahead of where... Sky Moore was his rookie season. I, I agree with because you. again, you bring in Juju, you bring in MVS. It's okay, we're not expecting a ton, but there wasn't much brought in by Richie James. Odell didn't come here. No, DeAndre Hopkins didn't come here. They drafted one player in the draft. It was Rasheed Rice for wide receiver. I think more expectation put on him. We all know what he did at SMU. Cut three more times with the nearest uh, gentleman behind him was. I don't think we should. I still don't agree that we should put expectations on him this year. But I think Rasheed is at a point where he could very well, very easily exceed the expect the low expectations we had for him because he's really showing. I mean, in, in when he was in rookie camp, like Andy was pushing him hard. Mm-hmm. Like Andy pushed him really hard in, in rookie camp. And then when they when the rookies reported to training camp early, like Andy was on him again. He was getting on his head again. And uh we heard, you know, first practice that he had in training camp. Rasheed Rice threw up, got sick because it was a it was it was different monster. Andy Reid's training camp is different from everyone else. It's tougher. It's the toughest in the league. And you look at what he's done since then. And again, like you know, you got some. I mean, obviously, Kadarius Tony getting hurt kind of takes away from the the competition a bit. But still, Sky Moore's had a really good camp. Justin Ross has been the story of camp. Uh, MVS is a, a professional who's been around for a while, and he's obviously going to be in that starting lineup. Justin Watson, he's been iffy. He's been up and down. There's been some really good spots and then some some spots where it's like, oh, man, I'm not sure he's going to make it. But Rasheed and all of this, the lack of experience, with him having to acclimate to an Andy Reid training camp, I think has exceeded expectations beyond my wildest uh, He has. Dreams. It was their toys, what they wanted. They worked out with Mahomes a couple times, you know, down there in Texas. I'll tell you a guy they really like, Nico Remigio. They do. Out of Fresno State. And I don't he's think five he's going to make the team at all. But they're talking about him, you know, they're, Tobe's talking about using him on special teams in certain aspects. Yeah. But we are looking at one undrafted. Denerick Prince looks like the kick returner at For this sure. point. Yeah. Richie James, the punt return. So Nico is, Nico's had a good camp, man. Yeah. Undrafted uh, wide receiver. Even in rookie camp, you were hearing about him, like, potentially, like, he was a long shot to get a roster spot, but people were like, uh, "This dude—he's probably gonna—he he probably makes the practice squad, and he probably gets picked up by someone else." There's a couple undrafted. I think Prince makes a team, and I think uh, uh, Boye Doe, yeah, uh, Echo Boye Doe at K State, yeah. the corner, he's gaining a little weight, 
but he's been up there running with the ones. We're talking right. again, these undrafted free agents that the Chiefs find. Yeah. These guys want I mean, I'm telling you, the undrafted class is just as good as the seventh round class. Oh, yeah. The good yeah. ones. Yeah, the, there's a this is a very They're very, paid more too. Yeah, they are paid more. Yeah. Denary Prince is making a good good amount. Of, he got a good amount of guaranteed money after well, the draft. Which is funny about Denary, because at AM he had like zero catches because he barely played. And mm-hmm. Tulsi had what five, two, nine catches his last year, which cracks me up because he's catching everything. Everybody keeps talking about Prince's hands. That's all you hear about is how he catches everything. But in college, he didn't catch anything. Yeah. It's also that's the scouting. That's the scouting salary. We think this guy's got hands. Yeah. And Denaric is catching. Denaric will be on this team. Yeah, I think so. It's too. what people say who's going to get the carries. I'm like, well, you know, they're going to they'll showcase Clyde. Against the Saints, you'll see a lot of Clyde. Oh, yeah, you will. He'll be showcased. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you will, he's going to dangle him out there like a carrot. Exactly. Yeah. You I, want you I, want to Clyde because Kareem Hunt's going and visiting the Saints coming up here soon. So yeah, you want your guy to be in the mix. Yeah. Unless the Chiefs are worried about injury and like having four running backs that are capable, Clyde does fit into what they do. He does. He does. And and one of the things they really kind of push for is him to kind of improve his receiving. He's been a little inconsistent with that. We you know I, I think at the game I think he he was for sure like lost his spot was that Jacksonville game in November when he had those two drop passes in the flats that was it for him I was telling people I was at the yeah. game and I remember telling people I was like that's it like that's this is Pacheco's job now so yeah there's there's gonna be plenty of opportunity for Denaric to go out there and and get that I do agree with you I do think Clyde is gonna get showcased a lot for a potential trade probably a seventh rounder you just get something for him so you don't have to cut him for nothing uh, but. I, uh, or just let him walk in, or you, you, so you don't have to let him walk in free agency for nothing. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of interesting players in camps right now. We're going to start seeing the, these guys over the next over this weekend now as we get to uh, we get to the start of the regular preseason schedule. Chiefs will be playing this Sunday against the New Orleans Saints at uh, is at the Superdome, right? And uh, they, I think their first. Their only preseason game at home is on the 26th against the Browns we just watched play on uh, on on this past Thursday. So a lot of coverage we're going to get for you. We're going to continue continue to preview the position groups for the uh, for the uh, 2024 NFL Draft. We're going to continue to keep talking about this conference realignment as it continues to happen. Um, because we are hearing, you are hearing some murmurs about a uh, Florida State potentially trying to leave the ACC, and certainly that means it'll be a bidding war with the Big Ten and, and, the, and, the, big, and the SEC. Teams in that ACC, you'd want man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, obviously at the top of that are, are Clemson and, and Florida State. So uh, we'll keep you update on that as well. Uh, were we like two weeks away from Week Zero now? Yeah. Well, this weekend will be two weeks yeah. from week zero. The twenty six, you got a, the twenty six. You got a lot of great games. Yeah. So a lot of great games coming up here. Um, we are going to keep you locked in, keep you updated in all of this, and we appreciate you guys taking your time to listen to us. For Jay Binkley, I'm Christian Ocero, and this has been the Character Concerns Podcast.